Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. I advise all my allergy sufferers in the first 30 days of spring, I need you to re-up on your Zyrtec, your Allegra, your Claritin, your Benadryl, your natural bee honey, whatever it is that you do to block those antihistamines or to get those antihistamines, I need you to get on it because there is nothing like having a bad sneeze in this age of the coronavirus. Oh my God. Oh, my God. Last night. <laughs> exactly. Last night, I went to a very interesting event. I sneezed into my armpit, dab style like you're supposed to. Okay, I learned my uh, lessons. Okay, right, right. Uh, make sure you pay the Migos. I sneezed into my arm, and three people immediately moved around me. And now I'm not going to lie, because another person coughed behind me, and I moved as well. So I understand what's going on. Uh, to repeat the sentiments of John Oliver, wash your hands and don't be racist, though. You know, two simple rules that we can help get through this situation. But I think I, more than that, I want to talk about this very interesting event that I went to last night. Last night, I went to a pop up about pop ups with pop ups sponsored by a developing company like a developer, like a commercial developer. These people who build these big high-rises, the people who own these big-ass cranes who are constantly changing the landscape uh, physically and culturally of the city, right? So a developer sponsored a pop-up. A pop-up mm. about starting and sustaining pop-ups that featured a panel of pop-uppers, <laughs> right? So y'all pop up into the pop-up and shop. We, and it was a pop-up conversation. <laughs> so just so you just, just so you know, I didn't know about this event on a natural situation. My friend who works over at SoFar, which is, you know, one of the most famous pop-up situations happening in the world right now, uh, she invited me to this event. Uh, it was sponsored by No Kings, uh, ULI, which is a direct subsidiary of, I think, CBG, which is the second or the third biggest developer here in D.C., uh, and a couple of things kind of stood up, stood out to me even before I went to the conversation. So me being, you know, the person I am, I'm wondering why would a developer. Oh, uh, why would a developer sponsor pop ups? Right. And so it got me to thinking and it, it took me to a place that I went to on Saturday night. Saturday night, I was watching Saturday Night Live and it was uh, hosted by John Mulaney, one of my favorite white guys. And <laughs> the musical guest was David Byrne. So me and the lady were watching David Byrne. He's got these suits on, very avant-garde uh, performance situation, no shoes. And I'm thinking to myself, man, SNL must be really giving this new dude a shot. Because, like, I, I have never seen nothing like this before. So, I'm, you know, I'm watching SNL and Twitter at the same time, and I'm realizing nobody's having the reaction of, like, oh, this is some new shit 
happening. So I, I go to my Googles. Turns out this David Byrne motherfucker is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. So I was the dumbass. Yes. I was the dumbass, <laughs> right? So this is what I'm getting to, Alexia. So I walk into this room last night, uh, pop-up, about pop-ups, with pop-ups, sponsored by a developer, and <laughs> the room was 90% white, I'll just be honest with you, in a in a city um, that's been traditionally black. About, they were all fans of David Byrne. Uh, they were all fans. <laughs> new wave. Okay, I learned something new, all right? Uh, they were all fans of the David Byrne, 90% white, uh, all asking very, I'm just being honest with you, very honest and upfront and, and transparent questions about the booming retail industry as it pertains to new businesses starting where these big developments are happening, where these multi-million dollar, billion dollar developments are happening. These developments that are, of course, like I said before, shaping the cultural landscape of the city, right? In my life, that's called gentrification. Where I went, that's just called starting a pop-up. I called myself the dumbass in the situation because I don't, maybe... Maybe because I'm black, I don't really know this, but is is gentrification supposed to be mysterious? Is it supposed to be like a, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, like a secret plot. Yeah. Is, it a, is, is gentrification a conspiracy theory? The, last night, this answer became vividly bright to me. No. No. <laughs> Gentrification is not a mysterious or nefarious thing that is happening underneath the current, but it is something that these developers were literally teaching people how to displace. And the way they talked about displacement, the way they talked about Martha's uh, Martha's Outfitter right here on 14th Street, how No Kings was able to come in, take a property that was quote unquote um, undervalued, uh, act as a... Uh, 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 Oh, my goodness. Act as the conduit between the low income uh, demographic that was served and the luxury income that was deserved to act like that's not the third step of gentrification after accessing undervalued property. The next thing is marketing a new name, a new face, putting new. It's 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 frustrating. I was frustrated. I was sitting in this room, and of course, y'all know me. I'm sitting there bubbling. I'm getting ready to. I'm getting ready to get up. I'm about to shake the table. I'm about to shake the table, cause I just could not understand how so casually these people could talk about how they moved into a place that was so cool. They saw the art that was around them was so cool, and then they willingly participated volunteered and invested in displacing these people intentionally. I just remember I just remember this is a room full of white people. Everyone remember the setting. <laughs> it's a room full of white people. So I'm going to stand up. I'm going to shake the table. At this point, my black ass is turning purple, right? So before I could do that, it was a nice young gentleman behind me. I want to give him his shout outs. I don't know his name. But this nice gentleman had a curly mustache. He stood up and he was very passionate about being displaced. He himself, an artist, a dude who paints, who had painted a building and then that building didn't even have the appropriate rent for him to live in. He felt a personal angst towards this whole conversation and I felt him. And he won the whole room over with empathy. Everybody was like, oh, my goodness, we feel so bad. Y'all know New Age white folks. You know what? You know New Age white folks. Oh, we feel so bad. The black plight. Oh, he was the brown man. The people of color plight. We feel so bad. But then the moderator didn't want to answer the damn question. Come on, son. Oh, oh I get so upset, Alexia. It's, 
Lie to me, damn it. <laughs> Make I... me figure this shit out. But the fact that I was invited to a pop-up about pop-ups with pop-ups <laughs> who talk so casually about <laughs> displacement and there wasn't more than 10 black people in the room to represent the culture. Oh, my God. What is going on? In, Lie to me. In Chocolate City. That's cr- that. I'm sorry. I, I just started off the episode real, 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 real upset because I just, I just couldn't. It just don't. We want to thank y'all for listening to the Overshow the <laughs> podcast. This is your chance to eavesdrop on. I think we're gonna have four professional creatives as we discuss the ups and downs, inspirations of the creative industries. Uh, your host today, my man, or me, your man, two hundred grand, Bimo Brown. What's up, y'all? <laughs> to my left. We walked in the building. He is in here. He just listened to this whole situation. We have a very special friend of the show, Mr. Jiggy. Yo, yo, what's good, everybody? <laughs> As Happy a- to be here. <laughs> he came into some real spicy, man. Yeah, real man, spicy. I was like, whoa. Yo. <sighs> Sorry, the I was room, on the room. The room's, hot. Get the room's hot when I walked in. It's hot in here, man. As always, we're coming to you live from the lobby of the Lion Hotel. Oh. Well, as always, we're coming to you live from the lobby of the Lion Hotel right here on Full Service Radio. Full Service. With the producer extraordinaire, Miss <laughs> Alexia. Hey, girl. Hey. Hi. So good to see you. Thank Alex. I appreciate you just. I don't know how you made it through last night because I would have had to take a sabbatical. I did. So. I could. You know, you say that and then you're in a room full of white people. Here's what happens. On the panel were two black dudes, right? And one of those black dudes was Ian Callender. Which, if you know me personally, you know, I, I have some comments. But he is still a very important person in the creative infrastructure. I didn't want to stand up and intelligently chastise this man in front of a room full of white people. Because what I had to say was spicy. Spicy. Are you going to tell us? I just did. That's what, that's what would have happened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what would have happened last night. I just went off. It had been no good. They had to put me out. And I'd be on the news this morning. So maybe I should have. But no, no it felt good. bad. You give them the satisfaction. Right. You know, you want to step to him behind closed doors. That's right. That's but a good point, in a though. moment, easier said than done. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I'm just, I'm very grateful that that dude uh, uh, stepped up and stepped in and was able to, you know, say it in a way that was, I think, more effective for the room. I don't think in either situation anybody was going to walk out of the room and be like, you know what? Justification is bad and we're going to stop. No, nobody was going to do that. But for him to at least get his point across and somebody could see the direct line between him literally painting a building and then not being able to afford to afford to live in that same building and then having to move 20, 30 miles away so that he could commute to that building. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah, that sounds like uh, new age uh, culture vultures, but with artists, you know, outside the music industry. Facts. Now we're dealing with it with um, another medium. Facts. Oh, I, oh man, I got some things to say today. Speaking of mediums, though, I saw today on the gram, I saw somebody is responsible for the front cover of this month's Washington Bridge Informer. I think we need. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. That is jiggy. That's our guest with it. That's right. We got famous motherfucker. Thank you. Thank so you. So give you. us a give us a little oral history on how that how that first off. Tell us what the bridge is. Uh, speaking of gentrification and fighting it, let's yeah. talk about <laughs> yeah. what the bridge is and then kind of walk us through to the cover situation. Okay, so the bridge is a monthly paper uh, insert. It's the youth section inside the Washington Informer, and it's more curated towards the millennial um, 
the millennial, you know, who likes brunch ball, so who want right. to know like what's going on in the neighborhood and in their in their community. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, graduates, HBCUs, mm-hmm. things of that nature, just things that we're interested in in the fashion industry. In arts and music, mm-hmm. all over, you know, just um, finding different ways to highlight people so that are within our age group. So this month, it was based on um, blackness and black love, and just variations of black love. Nice. So, was yeah. definitely proud to um, be a part of that right. process. You, know? you shot like a, you shot a cover, you shot a, you shot a couple, yeah, just a whole like completely different set. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, the counts. They're. Um, they have an article my man Sam wrote, and okay. those the photos kind of corresponding nice. with the article. Article, apologies. So pretty much they're entrepreneurs, and they have their own businesses separate. Right. But this business, they're coming together called Love Counts. Mm. And this is a way of entrepreneurs who are like couples like themselves yeah. to come together and spread. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I did. I, that's so interesting. I read something the other day. Uh, that when like people funders or like corporates they hear that two entrepreneurs are actually married to each other they're less likely to fund them yeah definitely that's crazy I don't, why honestly i would um think that people would look at it as maybe biasness or mm-hmm. there's going to be some level of unfairness because at the end of the day you know happy wife happy life or you know Facts. vice versa Facts. so <laughs> y'all in that boardroom together and the decision uh, got to be made. Y'all I'm, might not drive home together, but y'all going to eat dinner together that night. That true. conversation going to come back up. I wonder if they're like, because it's a household, they want to just pay one mm-hmm. instead of just paying two. Like if it was if it was just me and you, if yeah. it's, it's BMO and Jiggy doing a situation, we're getting 50 bucks each. But somehow if we was married, we still just get 50 bucks. I don't see that how that, that's not how it's supposed to work. Nah. It's supposed to be still a hundo. You know yeah. what I mean? So I wonder if that's the situation. Interesting. Yeah. You know how the rich stay richer. <laughs> Interesting. So tell us more about like your participation in the bridge, kind of like the future of that project, if you can speak to that, how you got involved. Uh, are there any opportunities from that that you can open the window for for other creators? Yeah, definitely. I'll say um, the bridge thus far, I've been contributing as far as photojournalism. You know, um, articles each month has a particular theme. Mm-hmm. So last month we highlighted black um black youth and sports and different variations of sports right. like we highlight a the one of the first black esports nascar drivers he's like 17 years old still in high school from the area of course so you know <laughs> of course you know just so just trying to document history and yeah. my thing is because i'm a photographer outside of you know publications mm-hmm. so i like to bring my element into that and just find ways to archive and find ways to um make us look good at the end of the day because we get enough you know with the media perpetuating us in a certain light so we need more creatives like us and actually um the bridge is always looking for writers we're looking for writers we're looking for photographers we're looking for graphic artists we're looking for videographers so yeah definitely um wi bridge dc um on instagram just hit them up yeah just hit them up um you could talk to lafayette you could talk to claudia wow. you could even talk to me in some capacity and then i'll pass the information along in. yeah but we're definitely um grassroots yeah you know just yeah. trying to continue that lineage yeah i think it's so important to have culture from us by us for us 
Uh, I love that very nationalistic mindset about that. I think uh, I think that's beautiful. And on the same time, on the same side, I think it's wonderful. There's a publication that is showcasing there is genius talent in the Washington D.C. area. At the same pop up last night, somebody had the nerve to say that people look over D.C. because they don't think there's any talent here. There's no bright spots here. Mm. Suck a dick. That's not true. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same conversation that the Joy Club was having. That's Lil Bacon Yo. Band and Malcolm X, when Malcolm Xavier said that DC artists do not make hits. Oh, that was the conversation. That was the conversation. Ooh, I was. But you know what? The DMV, DMV music scene hashtag. What was that? It was like this big conversation on Twitter in regards to um, I forget the DJ's name. Forgive me. But she was more so alluding to um, her experience and her take. Oh, DJ Heat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's DJ Heat. That was like a that was like a fall that was like a fallout of a conversation that happened over this previous weekend. Mm. But before we get to that, I want to go ahead and just uh, say them niggas was wrong, and I want to play this hit right now. My boy Tom Tom just walked into the building. Miss Alexia, can you please cue up Chiquetes? I want you. Get that joint playing. Ladies and gentlemen, we do have the next DC hit on our hand. We have Chiquetes. I want you. Pay attention. Follow. Listen. Subscribe. Do what you got to do. But make sure at the end of this song, you come back and listen to Over the Shoulder. We'll be right back. Won't you, 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 won't you
Ooh-wee. Come on, man. Make sure y'all get into this Chiquette featuring Kramer. I want you. It's off a two-piece single pack in the Morta. Uh, I want you, and uh, what's the other thing? I, w- I want to be your girlfriend tonight. But I wanted to play that record. I think it was a pivotal. I think, first off, I wanted to break the record. I really believe in the young man. R&B is on the way back, baby. Also, it came to my attention in the midst of this conversation that was happening over the weekend that there aren't any current DMV artists that have regular play on DMV radio. What? Hmm. Not a one, and I think the last not DMV one. Not DMV commercial radio. What do you mean? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because we, we just radio. We just we just, we just did it. We just did it. We just did it. So these WHUs and WKYs and, and Q90s. Yeah, I mean these people not so much. Um, but the conversation was started by someone at WKYS. Uh, actually, I think it was started by uh, the people at the Maiden in the DMV, which is Bird. You know, shout out to Bird. Um, Wow, I said that. The conversation started because she insinuated that the DMV rap scene was boring. Nobody was making any good music. Anybody was breaking the formula. Nobody was coming with any new things, anything fresh and hot. And then that conversation expanded towards just the music scene in general. It moved over to the KYS situation in which Bacon Bear and Malcolm Xavier, they did a good, did a good job. These are two people that are in the, the Joy Club probably the hottest in the industry DJs in the city right now. It was good to hear them take like two hours out of the day and literally solicit over 500 songs from DMV artists. And they went one by one on an Instagram live to show people what music is appropriate for the radio and what music uh, maybe just isn't good. Right. Just giving their opinion. And so I had a lot of opinions on their opinions, but the, 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 the striking thing that kind of stood out was in order for the DMV music scene to be legitimized, some of these industry people are going to have to start breaking some of these standards and actually supporting an industry in which it's already successful. Uh, so when I play a song like Chiquette, and that song was played during the Instagram Live, when it said that it's a great song, but it's not a formulaic hit for the radio... Mm. Sound like some bitch shit to me, man. I don't know. I mean, it's not my job. I quit my job three years ago. Thank God. We're coming on four. So, I, you know, maybe the pressures, I just don't understand. But I can't imagine myself in a situation or I can't imagine a situation in which a song is played that's against the formula and then the automatic response is users turn off, uh, add people, pull out, you get fired, you're shamed from the industry. No more. Very rarely do I hear that people who support good music and act as mavericks to do such having very bad careers. In actuality, the conversation, at least in them, is actually, you know, goat worthy, goat success. That's your, that's your DJ envies. That's your, uh, that's your uh, flex. Yeah, you know I mean, there's these people who are willing to invest their time and invest their name to help break. Uh, to break a formula and I find I, I just I just find it so interesting that this 24 and 23 year old kid feels so burdened towards this formula and towards this industry that they can't even see past that shit that kind of makes me concerned for the whole DMV creative science creative scene so I just wanted to take a few minutes play that song address that conversation and say I disagree one radio hits aren't essential to building a creative infrastructure what you need is good music and good narratives the fact that people don't adhere to kind of like the gatekeeper ways of the industry is bullshit y'all either need to catch up or get out the way uh 
So that's really all I got to say on that. I just went too deep. I didn't introduce it, but, you know, swim for it. Yeah, man. Thanks, Tom Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Uh, But, you know, all that to say the revolution will not be on radio broadcast. I think we can say that safe and sound. I think the revolution will happen in other mediums. And with that, I'd like to return to our conversation about the Washington Bridge. You feel me? So before we went to break, you were telling us more about the the Washington Bridge being kind of like the the youth arm of the situation, showing the people what's going on in our community, in the street community, in the style community. Uh, Tell us more about like the informer and how this all started here in uh, here in D.C. Well, the Informers started back in the 60s, I want to say. First black-owned publication in the D.C. area, first black-owned newspaper. And it was brought about around the time, well, you know, the civil rights era. You know, obviously, we need our news and our documentation, and we need our word spread. Right. Good positive images. Yeah, good positive images. We got the people um, who's in the field, like people who are within the community. So you're getting organic truths from people throughout, you know, history. Right. And it's just been it's been great. Uh, Lafayette has got the torch from his mom, Denise. Nice. You know, nice. He's been he's been doing a hell of a job. Nepotism. Hey, man. That's, that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> shout shout out nepotism. to that, um, that generational wealth, man. You know, whether hey. this is a business, it's, it's money, it's anything. It's just something to pass the torch to that next next generation to get them. To perpetuate, to, you know, to evolve. Simple as that, man. Oh, no, from from where I sit, like what I appreciate about it is like I've known Lafayette for a long time, right? Like I'm gonna say, I'm gonna put a number. I'm gonna say like ten years or something. Yeah. And in this area, when you're given an opportunity, it's very easy to like just run away with the opportunity and keep it to yourself. So, like, what I appreciate about the what the informer and then now the bridge is the fact that. You know, Lafayette could be going around reporting all these t- things and taking all the pictures himself, but he's sharing that platform with his peers. So somebody like you, you know, like I'm, I, I may have pointed you in a direction, but like where you've taken your role within the bridge, yeah. only that that's a testament to you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I would say that for like his whole team, from the Claude getting, having an interview here at full service, like just the different things that they've done over the over the years. It's like this is this is a, a beautiful evolution for yeah, for yeah. the bridge in a sense. Yeah, exactly. It's been a beautiful evolution. Just um, even when I got brought on, just seeing the transition from where they were to where they are now. Like it was only uh, I think it was maybe four to six pages, you know, coming out monthly. Right now it's updated to ten. Right. So things like that is that gradual incline, especially in such a digital age where print. The print industry is it's almost taken. dying out. That's what I was about yeah, to say. Y'all yeah. able to survive that incredible print law? Yeah, we've been Man. fortunate to um, see, you know, see what's going on with that and kind of foreshadow what's going to happen. And we actually created um, a website for the bridge um, via Candor Labs. And they curated. Nice. I know the dudes at Candor. Shout out to Bakari. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. Nice. Yeah, shout out to Candor. Good people over there. So they help. Um, curate the site to make it more of a modern look versus the reformers um traditional style of web web reading mm-hmm. right. so you know yeah you know everything's in, <laughs> image gotta, heavy. gotta grow with the times yeah yeah, yeah. so um and i think that's a, another good thing as well with lafayette and claudia they're really good at growing with the times because they're within the culture right and it's an extension 
of things that interest them or things that they see or things that they feel should be brought to the table. And I mean, when you you got a nucleus like that, they can only go up because they're fluid and they're receptive to um, what's that next thing. You don't have to be stuck in that same box. That's how you don't grow. Most definitely, most definitely. Yo, Bimo. What up? (laughs) I ran into Ziggy. Zamir, you familiar? Zamir. Zamiria. Zamiria. Yeah, 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 yeah. Earlier today. And it's funny that um, the the pop up she was at the joint. She was at the joint and we had a conversation about that. What'd she say? Yo, she's, you know, she's a creator. She's on the side of the creators all day. She just felt, you know, at the end of the day, people talking to talk but not walking to walk. And I feel like that's a testament to the synopsis of the higher ups in the area. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, it's an interesting game, bro. It's a, it's an interesting game. <laughs> Not to dive 100% back oh, into it, man. but I did find it ironic. No, you know? I saw her at the joint. She walked what, up to me. This is the it was a pop-up. It was Yesterday. a pop-up about pop-ups uh-huh. with pop-ups. I almost came to that. You should have came. You should have came. Nah, yeah, like it, You know I almost called you. I almost called you when I was on the way, but I it, for some it, reason it, I thought you would be there. I, I I had plans to and got deviated. So okay, yeah, no kidding. Enlighten me, enlighten me. So I mean, we you know what? Actually, we've had this. Um, we we kind of had this conversation when we came to the big chief. Mm-hmm. I asked you would the carry out be a conduit between, like, kind of marketing the big chief as a as a marketable place, as a cool place, mm-hmm. and that then transitioning into like probably a very white peer space kind of place Mm -hmm. do you feel responsible for activating that bridge as in hold on do i personally feel responsible um i don't know like i've for the past few months and just especially now 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 in the new the new uh time for myself or whatever i can't worry about that i like for me i like in 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 that uh, task, so to speak, right? yeah. I empowered. I helped to empower a lot of artists, of course. Um, and especially with the role that I played with Chris, like it was. You can you can get you can give somebody resources, but right. how they use those resources, like that's a, that, that's on them. I got you. So like somebody like Diego, somebody like. Uh, Danny Lyon, Lydia, all anyone who shared the platform with us, yeah, they've grown on their own, independent of it. So right. it's like I look more at that and and that and and that, that impact, yeah, than like oh it became white people after us. And and then at the same time, like I also can't manage other people's expectations, right? So, but do you see? Do you see how? And I'm guilty of this too. But do you see how? What I was saying earlier was in the third step of gentrification is remarketing an area. Okay. Right? So you assess a, you assessed an area, you bought an area, and you remarketed for people of more means to come in and make you money, return off your profit, right? Right. That's us. We're the remarket. Right. Especially when, when you're having conversations with developers, they could give a shit about the local creative scene. They don't care about individuals, whatever they do with the money. The whole purpose of the situation is to take wherever we're at and transition it to people who can afford it 10 times over to make them money, right? 
And so as I'm sitting in this conversation last night with No Kings, and shout out to No Kings, great mural artists. But I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, man, some of these murals, in the same places they painted these murals, we can't afford to be there. Right. Not just live there, be there. Right? When I think about like, and I think about Umbrella specifically. Umbrella gutted out. Umbrella was an activation. Old Whitman Center. Right. And oh, that man. Whitman Center was specifically for low income people. And what are they putting there now? High. Yeah, Sephora. It's luxury. Super expensive apartments. Condos. Damn. Exactly. So does the question I want to ask No Kings if I'm being specific was, do you feel guilty or do you feel any sense of responsibility in being the bridge between that? Mm. So, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like sometimes... I feel Cause like because you you just gave your answer. All, all respect. Sometimes I do. Like when I look at some of the venues that I left and I see what came behind me, it's kind of like fuck. I, know, I legitimized it. Like they're gonna the same pictures that I took to market my next joint. The joint they eventually didn't let me have because they were afraid of my success. The same pictures they used. That's in a pitch deck. That's in a uh, that's in a marketing language. It's on a website. It's how they gather and capture new people. And it's off of my back. Right. And I can't even, even if I, let's say I wanted to go back and just pay the rental fee, I can't even afford the rental fee at this point. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it, like, I, like I just said, it's an interesting game. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, there, there are certain conversations that, like, let's say I have with Chris or anybody else, it's just like, you also, while you're walking through the door, you have to remind them of why, like, our presence is necessary in the right. space, what, how you, they should handle it moving forward. Um, so, like, while you, let's say you can't necessarily afford the space now, maybe you should still have a talk and be like, I don't like how you handle this and this is why. And iron out, like, why this isn't a good practice for the future. You, you can, you can, pack, they can package it like, yo, BMO's hurt or something like that. But the conversation itself is still important. I mean, yeah, you got, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but recognize where I was at last night. I was at a pop-up about, about pop-ups. pop-ups with pop-ups, and I was <laughs> one of ten of people who looked like us. Right. They were teaching people how to do pop-ups. They don't give a damn if I'm upset. They don't care about my future. Well, I'm not talking about talking to them. I'm talking about talking about the people you were referring to earlier. Wait, huh? Got the lost. people who who space you cannot enter at the moment. Yeah, that's the people I'm talking about. I mean, I guess, man. Either that, or you could do like you're doing and create new space. Yeah. So. Yeah, but the danger of that, like, I'm, the, it's almost cyclical. The danger of that is, again, somebody builds a cultural representation off of something authentic and then displace that. Mm. Yeah, I mean. It's, so I just am still, I just supposed still, to like just, so. Is the other side like, okay, there's a, there's a hole in the boat, right? We're losing the culture of the city. The hole is in the boat. We can't fix the hole in the boat. Is the whole point to just stay in the boat as long as possible? I feel like that's what we're doing as artists. We're trying our damnness to uh, try to keep up and trying to, like, have a bucket and dump water out the boat. But it seems The ocean like, is coming in. Yeah, yeah but man. It, it's, also, it's also important to make sure... As the ocean is coming, as you're taking all the water out, yeah, to make sure you know to exit the uh, the boat at the right time too. That's facts, and that also jumps into the situation where people say, um, "There's a stigma that you have to be successful to leave." 
Right. And yeah. then it's not only within the culture, now it's becoming within the people who are moving in who are making it financially impossible to sustain. See, so, And then, okay, so there's that argument, right? So a lot of people love or love to hate the fact that people leave here, right? Yeah. And sometimes you can you can almost be treading in place as a creative here. Go to L.A., go to New York, go to Miami, make a career there, and come back and you're worth this more. Yeah. Yeah. So I did all these things so I could learn what to do when I come back. One like it's all it depends on the like it depends on the narrative you want for yourself. Yeah. And it depends on like what your actions what your actions prove. Right. So like you could be like let's say for lack of a better word you could say you could be like a Wale yeah. and leave and make yourself. Yeah. Or you can be like another artist come back here and help to cultivate the scene. Yeah. So like. Like I said, it, it, it's all about where your intentions land and what your actions prove. Yeah, intentions are key. I have to agree with that. I feel like, um, I don't know, have we had that many people like kind of come back and not get shitted on, like, for lack of a better word? No. Because I feel like Wale got drug for trying yeah, to make his see, name. To a certain extent, I don't really listen to Wale complain because a lot of his <laughs> stuff he puts on himself. Yeah, yeah. But like... For example, somebody I'm referring to him a lot in this convo. Somebody like Chris, yeah. Whether you ridicule him, whether you don't, he's strong enough to take it in a sense. So, like, how he moves or what he does—that's true. Like, it just is just is going to serve him. Yeah, and that's that's all that matters. It's going to serve him, but at the same time, it's going to serve the community. It's going to it's the intentions lie in the right place. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. So. It, it's all dependent on the person. If it were me, I may crack under those pressures. Or I may not. Yeah. At this point in the game, I'm making a name for myself, making a certain type of career. So I almost have to be programmed myself not to care about what outsiders think. If, if my inner circle looks at me or uh, feels... Uh, uh, if my inner circle looks at me a certain way or gives me certain feedback, I take it in. I might not take it in. But like, that's those are the people maybe I co- I'm concerned about, not anyone outside of it. Yeah, no, that's so. fair. That's fair. You definitely have to be sound within to kind of maneuver through that. Because if you wear your heart on your sleeve, you're going to be responding to a lot of people. That's true. That's real. That's real. All right, fellas, we uh, we running up on the last five minutes of the episode, so you know it's time for the tools of the trade, baby. Tools of the trade are, you want to explain it, Tom Tom? So the tools of the trade are tangibles or intangibles that have helped you get through the week. So it could be feeling, it could be any, well, feeling, I was about to say feeling an emotion. It could be a feeling, it could be a notebook, it could be advice from your mother, like it could literally be anything. Um, so I'm going to start it off. My intangible for the week, I mean, my tool of the trade for the week <laughs> is uh, actually podcast. Really? So. Um, for the past few weeks, I've actually been listening to a series of Mamba Mentality podcasts. Okay. So they're literally a series of podcasts that are all interviews that he's done. Really? So like TED Talk, um, the uh, Knuckleheads, all wow. these recent interviews yeah. that he's done all compiled in a certain space. So wow. you literally get to pick his brain for hours in a sense. Um, the other one is um, – uh, hype Beast Radio, The Business of Hype by uh, Jeff Staple. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the two that I listened to this week were um, 
about Kirby Jean Raymond of Pierre Moss, uh, Pierre Moss, I should say. Oh. And uh, the other one was uh, Andre something, but he runs the foundation, which is a marketing agency um, out of New York. But the guy is originally from Virginia Beach. Okay. And his story and the evolution of his company was very interesting because he pretty much started out like literally in high school being a buyer for a major store. And over time, learned the industry, learned what was missing, and just kind of kept placing himself in the right spot. So, like I said, it it went from him being the buyer to him being a salesman to after that being the marketing agency. Now, literally, he owns parts of brands that we see every day. So, like Kappa USA, the foundation owns it, and, and different things like that. So, I don't know. I try. I don't necessarily read magazines and stuff too much. Yeah. But I try to like listen, um, listen to podcasts, listen to people's, listen to different people's interviews, so I can learn about them, their creative process, and what kind of makes them tick, and you know, use that to help make myself tick in a sense. Oh, that's real. What's your socials, Tom? Tom. Thomas the Great on IG. Tommy Pickles. Tommy Pickles. P I C K L Z underscore in the middle for uh, Twitter. What about you guys, Jamar? Well. As of late, um, a friend of mine, uh, Lydia, another Lydia, she um, recently gifted me a notebook. Nice. And one of the things she challenged me this year was to write more. She knows I'm typically more of a visual person. Right. And um, That's a like, good challenge. Yeah, man. It's, it's been interesting um, just kind of staying consistent with it, just like things like ideas or... Um, Concepts or thoughts, notes for meetings, goals, (laughs) notes for meetings, all kind of things, man. It's just like, yeah, she, um, she definitely came through in the clutch with that, and I feel like it's a good way to start the year. You know, we're still first quarter. Yeah, first quarter is going by pretty quick, but you know, better late than never. And then just trying to exercise that, you know, feel like we type so much, you know, getting back into the habit of actually writing. You know, super important. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. What's your handles, Jiggy? Jiggy's handles are Jiggy Season J G Y S Z N. That's for Twitter and for Instagram and the website, right? And the website, uh-huh. just add a dot com. There you Jiggy go, season.com Man, this is heavy out in these streets. I I'm love internet. it. I Yo, love brother, the tool of the trade. What you say? Oh, just trying, brother. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the tool of the trade for the week for the week for your boy is just good old fashioned talking shit. Knowing when, knowing when not to, knowing when to advocate for yourself, uh, knowing when to advocate more for yourself, knowing when to take a no and when not to take a no. Right. But most importantly, when to talk that shit, baby. Sometimes you're going to have to sell yourself. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not a very religious person, but I always think about the, the story of Moses. You know, we all saw the Prince of Egypt and it was just Moses and, and some folks doing the thing. But in, in the Bible, I won't say it's the real thing because I don't know who's listening. In the Bible... It says that uh, Moses had a brother that was there to talk shit for him. His name was Aaron. Um, Moses, when he saw the burden bush, he told God, like, yo, I think I can lead the people. But really, man, I got a stuttering problem. I can't really talk. To which God said, really, my nigga? And then he said, yeah. And he's like, I bet you got a brother named Aaron. He's the best shit talker in the land. Let him ride with you. He can use the staff from time to time. Right. Boom. So that's where I'm at with it. This week, we on the we on the wave of talking shit. And so you can hear me talking some shit this weekend at Marvin's on March 7th as I host Stan's Going Away Party. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to have to slide through. Oh, I'm going to slide through. It's a, it's a free show. I'm going to be in rare form, baby. 
All right. Uh, follow me at BMO Brown, B E M O Brown, but make sure you follow us at Over the Shoulder Podcast, OTS Pod on all social media platforms. Thank you for picking up the gems that we dropped this week. I'm sorry if I yelled in your ear, but you needed to hear it, baby. Until next week, peace. Peace, peace, peace. peace.